I'll be talking about more than just the Benjamins. Welcome to Fintech Beat, where finance, technology, and policy come together. I'm your host, Chris Brummer, and the future of finance is now. No venture in modern financial history has been more controversial than the Libra cryptocurrency. Originally born as an idea hatched by Facebook to transform the international monetary system, central bankers and regulators took notion with the idea of a new private international currency and set their sights on a range of vulnerabilities and weaknesses sponsors had not anticipated. But the backers of the project didn't give up. And after defections from some notable companies like Visa, MasterCard, and PayPal, a slimmed-down Libra Association kept at it, reconfigured the Libra coin, and entered into negotiations with regulators around the world, all in an effort to ensure that their new payments system would be in compliance with the web of global supervisory frameworks and requirements. In the middle of it all is Switzerland. It's the country where the Libra Association registered and is a key actor tasked with overseeing the operations of the Libra ecosystem. It's for that reason that I was delighted to have the opportunity to talk to Mark Branson, the head of Switzerland's regulatory agency, FINMA, and to get the backstory on how Libra ended up in his backyard and how he intends to regulate the project, along with the many blockchain-related ventures based in the country. I had the opportunity to meet up with him at DC Fintech Week, the annual conference I run in association with the Georgetown University Law Center. Mr. Branson, thank you so very much for making it to Fintech Week. I I know many people are eager to learn um, about your perspective. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I, I guess let's maybe start off um, with a more sort of basic question. Um, uh, and maybe you can tell us a little bit about uh, Switzerland's fintech scene. Um, what is it exactly about Switzerland? Because we've seen um, quite a few fintechs sort of migrate to, 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 to Switzerland. Um, what is it exactly about Switzerland that has attracted so many different fintech projects and investments? And, and what exactly is it that uh, is making it uh, an interesting place for uh, crypto founders, uh, whether or not they be large uh, entities like, like Libra, uh, but also for, for crypto founders and again, smaller players? Yeah, well, well Chris, I, I guess um, the, the, the starting position is a good one because uh, it's it's a country with a great tradition in finance, and and it's a country that that's tech savvy. So you have the the the, the pools of knowledge. It's it's also a country with with a with a great research culture and, and and great universities. So there's a lot of talent, and there's a lot of talent focused around both themes, finance and and technology. Uh, so I guess. Uh, this is the question about how do clusters arise, and there are some 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 strong clusters of activity uh, in in our country around uh, around exactly this theme. Um, I, th- I think as well what we what we have is a regulatory tradition which is relatively principle based, 
so it's not uh, a dense uh, network of, of rules and regulations, but it's uh, um, uh, something which rather rather sets out the rules of the road um, and is somewhat therefore more flexible for innovative projects. And that's the way we've tried to operate over the past years. We try and have an, a, a very open mind uh, and a very neutral attitude to new projects, making sure that they have a fair chance to compete, that the market in the end should decide which, which innovative projects are going to succeed in, in the financial space if they, uh, uh, if they comply with the same standards and rules as, as traditional models, but they shouldn't be discriminated by, the, by, by uh, a heavy regulatory uh, burden. Uh, and so what we've done uh, as an agency also over the last few years is, is try to keep up with the developments and, and uh, make sure that we are skilled enough uh, to interact with, with project leaders on a, on a, on a, uh, you know, on an eye-to-eye basis, that, uh, that, that we've got uh, enough of our own uh, finance and tech savvy to understand what a model is going to try and achieve and whether it's going to be able to comply with our standards. Right. You know, we're going to get into those standards in just a second in, in terms of some of the, the, the interesting regulatory uh, issues uh, that arise uh, connected to uh, cryptocurrencies more generally. But I think it'd be interesting to get a little bit of the backstory, uh, particularly uh, with, with Libra. Uh, how is it that Switzerland even came to host the, the, the Libra Association? Um, uh, when it was announced, it, it, it certainly created a lot of attention. Um, you know, how did that actually happen? And, and were you even surprised by all of the uh, global attention it had generated? Well, I guess, I guess um, uh, you know, without, without being glib, you'd, you'd have to ask um, um, the Libra Association themselves because, um, you know, the way this, the way this started uh, was, was actually, in, in a way, um, as a little bit of a, of a fait accompli. And, and uh, uh, David Marcus and, and his team came to visit us, and as they did many of my colleagues around the world, and, uh, um, you know, uh, pitched, uh, if you like, an idea that they, they wanted to do no less than revolutionize the world of money, uh, which, of course, an interesting makes for an interesting conversation. And then they dropped into the conversation that we want to do it from here. Um, so, so uh Point being that, that they'd already chosen to base themselves here before we ever had our first conversation. So they'd scanned the globe for the right place to base an infrastructure, the infrastructural part of their of their project, uh, and found that the you know that some of the aspects that we've uh, just been discussing uh, make this an attractive centre uh, to be based. Uh, and uh, so so that was the the starting point. This was not something that that was subject to any kind of beauty contest or. or uh, um, competition between financial centres playing playing themselves uh, off against one another or any kind of arbitrage, and I think that's that's important uh, uh, to realise from the start. Um, but because of the ambition level of the project, because of the backers behind the project, um, it was clear to us from the very first moment that th- this would grab uh, an enormous amount of attention, uh, and it would put a lot. Um, you know, a, a big call on on our um, time, resources, uh, uh, and, and uh, energy as well. Um, but in a way, uh, the the you know we've experienced as being you know intensive, but also uh, you know also very worthwhile because you know, it, it, it's uh, a project which is laying down the gauntlet to the to the, to the um, payments industry and the cross border payments industry uh, in 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 general and uh, and uh, you know uh, making it claim that there's a much better way uh, to serve the client so uh, as a catalyst 
I think, you know, whatever you think about the project, there are very many different views that have been expressed over the uh, over the period of time uh, that it's been on the blocks. Um, what you can't deny is that it's been a very welcome capitalist for looking at this corner of, of financial services, which has been badly served. You know, it, it's. Uh, I was struck with with uh, your your initial sort of, I guess maybe five to ten seconds of your answer, which was yes, someone walks into into your door saying we're going to revolution <laughs> revolutionize the the world of money. Uh, that's that's that uh, it has to be a, a a very interesting way to to dive um, sort of headfirst into what can be a, a somewhat technically complex area. Um, and then you you ended your answer talking about uh, you know how this is a way to think through sort of larger crypto related issues and, and payments related issues um, uh, in financial services. Maybe you can go into that a, a little bit deeper. I mean, how has um, your your how have your conversations with uh, the folks over at the Libra Association impacted the way in which you look at cryptocurrencies? Uh, uh, more generally, I mean, in, in the past session, there was a little bit of a, a, a number of conversations about the, the use cases for crypto, how effective crypto will, will will be. I mean, certainly, you've been on the front lines of thinking through and looking at those kinds of questions uh, play themselves out in real time. Um, what have you learned thus far? And again, you know, how has it shaped your your general impression of the industry? Yeah, well, I, th- I think the first thing to say is that that uh, there was a lot of Blockchain-based crypto asset type of activity, um, you know, before before we we'd heard of a project called Libra, um, there were the you know, and that's migrated over time, you know, through fundraising activities like the ICO wave towards um, uh, um, attempts uh, to make uh, cryptocurrencies a more attractive means of payment through stabilizing their their value in some way, and therefore the word stablecoin was 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 um, was born. Uh, which in itself is controversial, but uh, that's what we uh, that's what we all call them now. Uh, but there have been stable coins around uh, for a while. There have been uh, many t- different types of stable coin projects that we had been working on. Um, you know, even before we started talking with this, this sort of mother of all stable coin uh, projects, which which sort of dropped onto our, our, our doorstep. So um, it, it, because of its scale and our potential scale and ambition, I think it, it does represent a wake up call that maybe some of the other projects um, uh, haven't done because uh, you know it's uh, been more difficult to see them as a uh, as something that could potentially become uh, systemic and global uh, and and, uh, and therefore a game changer so that's that's where Libra has been different for us and for many of our colleagues than, than a lot of the previous activity um, and so it, it really forces us to answer some of the questions that the technology would be posing anyway, um, if the technology is going to succeed, if the technology is really going to deliver what 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 it has promised to do, then these questions aren't going to go away. Because whether it's Libra or another provider, um, you know, if the technology is a successful one uh, and and deployable at scale on a global basis, and it's going to bring client benefit that it promises, then 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 it's ain't going away, and and somebody else will be uh, uh, deploying it, even if it's if it's not uh, via via this project. So the, the questions are important. And the questions are, you know, uh, in a way can be quite fundamental because they go to the, they talk to the, the boundary between the roles of the public sector and the private sector um, in the world of money. Um, and here it, it's quite clear that opinions vary uh, very widely. 
Um, and, and what we have to do as a, as a supervisor and an interpreter uh, of an issuer of regulation um, is be careful uh, to stick to our role. And our, our, our role is actually not, not to solve those philosophical questions about who should have what kind of role in, in, in the world of money and say, if this project um, is going to go forward, under what conditions should it be allowed to do so? Um, and and uh, that on the basis of treating it um, you know, equally uh, with with projects that have come out of the traditional uh, world, you know, in 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 the sense of same risks, same same rules. Um, so it's forced us um, uh, to to consider those questions very deeply, um, and also to to you know, uh, in a way, confirm our view um, that when it goes around the the features of of, of a digital payment system um, uh, that uh, that we require. You know, that's to say, you know, it's got to be safe, uh, it's got to be crime-proof, if you like, financial crime-proof, uh, and it's got to deliver um, clients a fair and transparent service. Um, there is no reason why a blockchain-based uh, solution can't deliver that. Um, you know, there are there are uh, other there are the same risks that we have in traditional payment systems, which um, arise in different ways. We are uh, of the view that, that um, the questions that are raised would have solutions, will have solutions, as they as they do in the in the traditional world. You know, I think we have to, you know, just maybe last point, but we have to remember that the traditional world of of payments and and, and banking, you know, is also not perfect. You know, when we're talking about things like safety and stability, client service and crime proofing, you know, we've not reached 100% on any of those um, items, nor will we ever, but we haven't reached a satisfactory level on any of those uh, three, three metrics in the traditional system. Um, so we've got, to, we've got to also be careful not to measure new projects against the threshold of perfection, which the traditional world has, uh, uh, has, has um, you know, spent decades uh, uh, not being able to meet. You know, one thing that, that that I found fascinating, again, you know, uh, both when you look at the evolution of Libra, I mean, certainly the 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 project doesn't look the same way it did when it was initially uh, announced. And there have been some some changes, both from um, a design standpoint of, of, of the Libra sort of coin, and then the, you have the uh, different changes in, in governance for the Libra Association itself. But just sort of sticking to what you were talking about on on the design features of, of the coin and, and payment systems and, and blockchain and the like, um, you know, when you when they walk in or any anyone walks in in through the door and, and they talk about you know creating a, a new international money, and um, you know that that tends to get the attention of uh, regulators and central bankers uh, around the world, um, and then you have sort of this migration in the conversation that really is focusing on sort of the payment system applications as opposed to the, the concept of sort of a, a new international money in and of itself. And, and there have been lots of different reasons for this. Some, as you had mentioned, um, have to just deal with questions of, of, of how widely adopted it would be and sort of systemic questions. Um, what have these, what has this evolution in the design um, done to impact your perception as to how these kinds of projects should be overseen. The European Commission released uh, recently um, its own sort of view of sort of, for lack of a better word, you know, we'll call them systemically important, important um, sort of uh, non-security based uh, uh, stable coins. 
um, and, and which are trying to make a, a sort of get insight into how widely adopted these different stable coins are. Um, and, and it would even impact who's doing the oversight and, and at what level of, uh, and what degree of scrutiny would be required. Um, the, what's your opinion on this in terms of how you operationalize on the ground, uh, you know, uh, oversight of, of, of global uh, stable coins? Well, I think I think that's obviously one of the one of the trickiest fact uh, features of of uh, any project which has um, you know such a such a an international uh, ambition you know as as part of its DNA right I mean this is not a project which is looking to uh, to start in in a jurisdiction see whether something works and then roll it out potentially to other jurisdictions this is a, this is a project which is looking um, you know at the core of its business case at, at cross border payments so it's by definition international it's by definition cross jurisdictional um, and and you know going to be operating on a cross border basis and um, you know our view right from the very beginning is that. Uh, um, this is not a project which can be regulated or supervised out of one jurisdiction. It's going to be done uh, on a cooperative basis between uh, institutions like 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 um, my own in in various jurisdictions around the world, and that's why you know we've been syndicating our thoughts uh, on the best way. Uh, to look at uh, this project and other other projects like it with our colleagues around the world right from the start, um, and I, and I think uh, that's something uh, that that um, all of the uh, of of, of uh, the people running such projects, including Libra, have 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 realised and accepted uh, and and welcomed from the start that um, you know this is not something that can be. Um, uh, designed, implemented, regulated, and supervised in one jurisdiction and then go on a sort of cross-border basis uh, and, and conquer the world, if you like, from there. This has got to be something which, where, where every jurisdiction which is materially affected um, is comfortable with the way it looks from the start. Uh, so that's not something technical and it's not something legal. It's something you know about the way we cooperate and the way we talk to each other. And luckily, the world of supervisors... Uh, uh, regulates and central banks is very joined up. We know each other uh, very well, and we have uh, you know enormous amount of, uh, of forums where we can where we can work on that, and, and we can work on it on a project specific uh, basis as well. And, and I think Libra as catalyst, um, you know, is 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 a is an interesting example because uh, I think while the work internationally on what kind of standards you need around these stable coins has informed our approach to the Libra project. I do believe that the fact that there was a Libra project has also informed the work on the international, what kind of international standards you might want, because I think regulating innovation from an ivory tower before you have a project to talk about is going to almost certainly bring you to the wrong approach. So, so there is an element of iteration in this, whether you like it or not. You can't, you can't create the perfect regulation before you have a project uh, and, uh, uh, and, and vice versa. You can't regulate a single project in isolation of, of the way it fits in, in, in an international environment. So there is, there is uh, an inevitable amount of iteration and therefore you see an inevitable amount of, of potential design change as you go through uh, projects that are this ambitious and this innovative I mean, but I don't think that's at all new uh, I think most big ambitious technology driven projects that we've seen have gone through multiple iterations along the way so so you know the, the, the question of iterations and the question of just how regulators should be um, um, 
really coordinating with the regulated entities, both in their own backyard and internationally, is something that certainly in the United States we've had lots of questions about, and in other kinds of jurisdictions. Um, you, you know, how do you sort of look at how, you know the the formalization of that iter- uh, of that iteration? You know, um, is there something that Switzerland is is doing um, to either formalize or coordinate that? Um, conversation that invariably comes when you're trying to regulate something new. And, and, and then finally, uh, I know we're, we're running short, you know, when you look at the product of your regulatory regime, um, you know, how do you see it sort of stacking up and comparing to the way in which other um, jurisdictions uh, are, are coming out? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, those are those are very important questions. And I think the, the to the first question, um, you know, how do we go about that? We 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 have something in the regulatory supervisory world, as you know, called called uh, supervisory colleges with where, you know, which we generally use to look at existing um, sort of behemoths of, of the financial world and, and their risks and, and their preparation for, for crisis, etc., uh, but we put into place a supervisory uh, or, a, or a college of, of, of our peers to look at the Libra project before it's even started. And I think that was a that was a unique approach for us. Uh, but that means we've syndicated information and thoughts around the project with our, our colleagues from around the world, um, you know, from, from around 30 jurisdictions, I think. So, so you know, very inclusively uh, from the beginning, because we realized that, that that's the only way forward is to see how much consensus there is. And if there's not uh, full consensus, then in the end, there will be a series of decisions to be taken in individual jurisdictions. I mean, it's not our aim or mandate to, you know, make sure everybody's happy with everything about a project, um, but it is our mandate to understand all the different views uh, and to make sure that the, the most important stakeholders around a project are uh, are comfortable with the way it's uh, proceeding. And I think your, your second question about what is... Uh, what does this mean for our regulatory framework around um, you know, payments, digital payments, uh, and, and uh, this type of fintech? You know, this has tested our, um, in a way, our, our philosophy, our belief that, that with a principle-based approach, um, you've got flexibility to deal with innovation. Um, and, and I think we found that, that our framework um, you know, stacks up um, and, and gives us the tools we need to regulate this this kind of project without needing to uh, to write into statute a dedicated stablecoin regulation, for example. I mean, we have the uh, the ability and the duty to regulate important payment systems under our payment system regulation, but to uh, uh, um, put extra duties and regulation and and, and and standards in place when those payment systems have uh, additional non-standard risks. And uh, I think this is a project which is not just a standard payment system. Uh, so, so we've found that, that within our legal setup here, we have uh, you know, a very nice way of dealing with this particular project because we have this, this kind of modular and principle-based approach. So uh, this time it's been tested and found that, that we've, we've, we've found that, that that fits quite well. Whether that will always be the case, uh, you know, we'll have to see. And as as things mature and become maybe real uh, and become categories of their own, then you can always look at how a regulation needs to adapt because a category has begun to exist. But as I said, you know, we, we're trying not to fall into the trap of of regulating something in detail before it exists. 
Well, well, thank you so much uh, for that insider's uh, look uh, behind the hood of, of, of what's going on in Switzerland as, as it comes to uh, not only Libra, but really cryptocurrency regulation more, more generally. Uh, I know that the international community is, is really uh, uh, interested and remains highly interested in, in, in many of your decisions and, and how everything will, will play out. Thanks uh, so much for, for taking the time to, to join us. Thank you. Now, everyone knows that I have not exactly been the biggest fan of the Libra project, at least not how it was originally marketed and communicated to prospective consumers and investors. And I wasn't alone. Indeed, I think it may have been the only thing that actually ended up bringing President Donald Trump and the powerful House Financial Services chairwoman, Maxine Waters, to a point of agreement. But to its credit, there have been considerable changes in the design and governance of the coin, changes we've discussed and debated on other episodes of this podcast. And the Swiss certainly seem to be aware of the enormity of the challenge of hosting the most politically volatile cryptocurrency in the world. Indeed, it seems to be honed in on coordinating a multifaceted review of the project while also willing to adopt a regulatory philosophy that is, from the outset, more flexible and collaborative. The question, of course, is whether it will all work, from a market perspective and regulatorily. The stakes certainly couldn't be bigger for the Libra Association and Switzerland. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'd love to get your feedback. If you'd like to get in touch, just hit me up at Chris Brummer DR. That's at C-H-R-I-S-B-R-U-M-M-E-R-D-R. We'd love to hear from you.